Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, I mentioned on Monday and Wednesday that my very good friend, Reverend Judith Lyons, and I will be hosting a Lenten series beginning on February 26th, Friday, February 26th. A Lenten series where we'll be covering the Passion of Christ. And I think it's going to be a great series, a time where we can get together. There'll be six video presentations followed by four live 90-minute Zoom discussions with me and Jude. By the way, I've had people ask during the week, well, who is Reverend Lyons? Well, Judith is the Associate Rector at St. Francis Episcopal Church in Palos Verdes, California. Uh, we've been friends for upwards of 40 years. Our children went to school together and a very good friend over a long, long period of time. So we'll have a lot of fun together, particularly on the Zoom sessions, and get to see each other uh, with you. Uh, I'll get to meet many of you on the Zoom screen, uh, not, not just hearing you and you hearing me on a podcast, but we'll actually get to see each other. So if you haven't received an email about it, uh, go to the website, logosbiblestudy.com, and you can get more information there and sign up for the Passion of Christ Lenten series with me and Jude. Okay, on we go now. Jesus has encountered the religious leaders and upped the ante with every exchange. Now he's going to really go after them. We put in Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and he gestures again to the religious leaders, sit in Moses' seat. And the religious leaders all nodded their heads in approval. So, Jesus continues, you must obey them and do everything they tell you. Aha, uh -huh. yes, indeed, they shake their heads, looking very stern. But, continues Jesus, do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to lift a little finger to move them. Oh, you can see the expression on the faces of the religious leaders, and the crowds are nodding in agreement. They know. And Jesus continues, pointing at the religious leaders. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. And they love to be greeted in the marketplace and have men say, Oh, Rabbi, how nice to see you today. Isn't it wonderful? But you, you are not to be called Rabbi for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. But you, he points to the religious leaders, are not to be called rabbi. You have one master, you are all brothers, and do not call anyone on earth father. You have one father, and he is in heaven. You don't put other men over you. Nor are you to be called teacher. For you have one teacher, the Christ, and he gestures to himself. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself 
like these proud men off on my left, will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. And he goes on. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And notice that word hypocrite. In Greek, it's hypocrites. It means it's an actor, a person who's an actor. An actor in this day, Greek drama, for example, is a man wearing a mask. You've seen the smiling mask and the crying mask. You're pretending to be someone you're not. And that's the greatest insult Jesus can say to anyone. You hypocrite. You phony. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces and you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You put up roadblocks at every turn. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Oh, can you see the expression on their faces? And the crowd is now silent. I mean, Jesus is really going after these guys. And he continues. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, and Jesus gestures to the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, He's bound by his oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he's bound by his oath. All you care about is the money and the privileges. You blind men! Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it, and he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it, that is, God. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. So woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You know, you give a tenth of your of your income, you tithe, and you give a tenth of everything, spices, mint, dill, cumin from your garden. You are so meticulous, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. <laughs> Should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. It's not that you don't tithe, you do both. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. You see the exterior, but not the rotten interior. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, 
And with Jesus' right hand, he gestures to the Mount of Olives, only 500 yards away. And on that side of the Mount of Olives, the western side, it's a cemetery. It was in Jesus' day. It was in Old Testament times. And it still is today. I stood on the southern steps with my Logo students seated on those steps, teaching these very stories, and said, Woe to you, teach the law of Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. And I gestured to the whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but full of dead men's bones and everything unclean on the inside. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So woe to you, teach the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets, again gesturing to the Mount of Olives and the tombs. The tomb of Absalom is over there. It's a big tomb. You can see it clearly. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, oh, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Oh, not us. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. So fill up then the measure of the sin of your ancestors, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Oh boy, he's really going after them. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Now, how do you imagine the expression on the faces of the religious leaders who are no more than 15 feet away from him? They are ready to rip him to pieces. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you'll kill and crucify. That would be me. Others you'll flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth, all of this will come upon this generation. All this corrupt, miserable history will fall on your heads. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He turns, looking to the city. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Jesus turned and stormed off toward the Mount of Olives. The religious leaders were aghast. They were livid. The people were utterly silent. And Jesus' disciples? Peter, Andrew, James, John. I can imagine them. They, they, they don't know what to do. And they, they look at the crowd and they look at the religious leaders and, and, they, they, and very quietly they, they say, oh, please, please, he's having a bad day. 
<laughs> and they trail off behind it, headed toward the Mount of Olives. They go down through the Kidron Valley and start their climb back up the Mount of Olives on the Palm Sunday Road, now going up instead of down. And as they were walking away, his disciples came to him about halfway up the Mount of Olives. It was morning. The sun rises over the Mount of Olives and shines on the temple. The golden doors of the temple glisten in the sparkling sunlight. They said to him, to break the tension of the moment. My, don't the buildings look pretty today? Jesus spun around and he pointed at the temple and he said, do you see all these things? I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. The whole place is coming down. Jesus got to the top of the Mount of Olives and sat down, staring, glaring at the temple. The disciples were stunned. The temple had stood for a thousand years, destroyed by the Babylonians in 586, rebuilt and reconsecrated in 516, thanks to Cyrus, the great king of Persia, closed for a brief period during the Maccabean revolt. But a thousand years of temple worship. And this temple, had been greatly augmented by Herod the Great. It stood. The temple platform itself is the size of five football fields. The northeastern corner of the retaining wall stood nearly 90 feet tall. The temple itself was eight stories tall of glistening limestone covered in marble with golden doors. It's all coming down? You know, we, we've we traveled to Israel, and one evening during our teaching tour, we go to the western wall of the temple, the Wailing Wall, if you will, but right near the wall is a museum. F further north down the wall, and the Western Wall Tunnel is in that museum. We go in the museum down several steps, uh, flights of stairs, to the foundation stones of the temple platform, stones laid by Herod the Great. And there's one stone in particular that I'd like to point out. It is huge, gigantic, and it's a dressed stone. That is, it's beveled on all four edges. Well, you don't do that to a stone unless people are going to see it. So that was ground level in Jesus' day. And this stone weighs 550 tons. Standing on ground level, I can't reach the top of the stone. And it's long. It's like, how in the world did they get that stone there? But Herod did. He was quite, Herod the Great was a great builder. Not a great person, but a great builder for sure. And Everything's coming down? 
Jesus' disciples said, tell us, when, when will this happen? And, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Because if this temple is coming down, it's the end of the world. And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And sure enough, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in AD 32, there was one disaster after another, culminating in the great Jewish war of 66 to 72, when in fact the temple comes down. It's burned and it collapses, AD 70. Along the western wall today, the archeology, span the excavations have exposed the burned and charred stones that fell from the temple itself. They're still there. We go and look at them when we travel to Jerusalem. All these things will happen, but the end is yet to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in all kinds of places. That's just the beginning of the birth pangs. And during that time, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And they are. Every one of the apostles, except for John, dies a martyr's death. You'll be hated because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. There'll be all kind of phonies coming into play. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place, the temple, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, says Matthew. Let those who in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out. Let no one in the field go back and get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, great tribulation, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. A time of utter and total catastrophe. A time described vividly in the Apostle John's vision recorded in the book of Revelation. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive but for the sake of the elect, they will be shortened. So at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. There will be false Christs. The Greek is pseudo-Christ, not anti-Christ. Pseudo-Christ and pseudo-prophets. And they'll perform great miracles to deceive even the elect, if possible. So don't be surprised. I've told you ahead of time it's going to happen. If anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, don't go out. Or here he is in the inner room, don't believe it. Because when I come, when I return, it will be obvious to everyone. 
As lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. There'll be no doubt. Wherever there's a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Oh, all these phonies will come along and people will follow them. They're just dead carcasses gathering vultures. But immediately after the distress, the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So when I return, it will be as obvious as the nose on your face. So learn this lesson from the fig tree. Remember the fig tree? The withered fig tree? As soon as its twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know that summer's on the way. Even so, when you see all these things happen, you know the time is near, right at the door. So I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Huh. This generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Well, the generation, the eyewitness generation, did indeed witness the utter and total destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But Christ had not yet returned. So the question would be, well, when will this happen? When, when will it happen? And Jesus said, no one knows that day or hour, not the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I don't know, he said. That's information only the Father has. So if anyone tells you today that the Lord is going to return on September 12th, 2023, don't believe it. Oh, that's happened all throughout history. Phonies making a buck. Phonies who... Maybe you don't even know they're phonies. They're just a little, little bit loony. But Jesus said, I don't know. And for sure, Bill doesn't know either. So when will it be? Well, could be any time. So be ready. Be ready. Whether he returns to us or we return to him, it will happen. I doubt he'll return in my lifetime, but at the end of my lifetime, I'll be seeing him. I'm pretty certain of that. So that brings us right up through what we call the Olivet Discourse, Jesus' words on the Mount of Olives, and it brings us to the end of our Friday session. So uh, please do have a look at uh, uh, a look at our website, logosbiblestudy.com. And, and sign up for the Lenten 
the Lenten series with me and Jude. We will have a really fine time together. And, and I know there are a lot of you out there listening. Uh, last, in the last 30 days, my son Jonathan, who runs the, the podcast, said that in the last 30 days we had 47,000 plays. So uh, I know folks are out there, and I'd sure like to get to meet you and uh, see your face and, and get to know you. So it'll be a good opportunity, and please join us at that time. Otherwise, I'll be back with you on Monday with another episode of Scripture Uncovered. Bye-bye now. Bye.